pandemic version of reeds and weeds which i've done five of four or five but only one that actually like recorded because skype and chris and i had a fantastic discussion about the elements of fiction by walter mosley that was probably almost three hours long wow totally unusable we didn't talk about the book very much we did we did we got a good 15 20 minutes talking about the book um that's true. That's yeah. True. One of the many ways Brian and I are connected. But Brian did, he's an um an art a writer by trade, right? But in more of a technical sense. Is that right? I'm a newspaper editor. You're a newspaper editor. Oh, wow. Yes, but he also the way we got connected is he is kind of like me in that he produces shows around the area. So he did a storytelling show and basically it was called Snapshots and you um, bring a picture and it blows up on the monitor behind you and you tell a story about the picture and it was this great, great, and, and, and you've done that all around at different venues for like three years, right? Yeah, yeah. You were great. You were amazing. Right. Remember what happened when during my snapshots? Yeah, you were there for the blackout. Yeah, so, yeah. so packed theater, midsummer. everybody's already kind of sweaty and the power went off and we're supposed to be telling a story about the picture that's projected behind us. And there's no right light there. on us on the stage. So we were just like, let's just do it anyway. I'm going to go. picture and we're going <laughs> to just do it. And it was, it was really fun. It was a very intimate, cool thing. The audience was, was providing you light from their, mm -hmm. from their phones. Phone. Yep. And Brian also uh, did a show where he picked a Michigan author, Michigan brewery, and like Michigan entertainers, and he would get us all together, and he did books over oh, beer. Oh, you that guy. Yeah. Over, that's, that's Brian. Books over beer. So we went to somewhere in Celine or something? Yeah, the, uh, the Salt, what is it, Salt Lake Brewery there or Salt? Yeah, the Salt Brewery there. Yeah, and we read, um, and it was such a fun time. And it was a great book. I loved that book. It was the one about the woman who lived up north. And yeah. Yeah. Anyway, and 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 it was great. And uh, I, don't, I don't remember what it was called though. Now I can't remember. I the have it in there. I can look it up. But it was a great thing, and I loved doing it. And what ended up happening with it, Brian? I don't know. I don't know. Was it just so much editing, or what? What happened? It was editing. We got in, we, we had everything but an editor. So we didn't, we had, we had done like, you know, two hours of a show and it needed to be edited to less. Yeah. <laughs> Significantly less. 
and we we when we finally found somebody to do it and so those those videos are out there but they have not been shared widely yeah yeah and we did like eight of them yeah i know it was it was super cool it was super cool well i'll tell you how we handle the editing on reads and weeds yeah we usually don't have a video element so that helps and b we don't care that much about how polished it is. <laughs> that's, that's the key. That's the key. That's, that's the really key. critical because we're that getting so I see that. I like that. But it's really just the mind, the vision of how the show is supposed to be at the beginning. It's like, I wanted to get together with friends and talk about books yep. and smoke weed. In my mind, that's a sustainable business model for me. It is the exact same reasoning that we yes. walked into with books over beer. Yeah. I was like, yeah. I like talking about books. And let's have a beer. Perfect. Yep. Yep. And I loved that we were like in Michigan breweries talking about Michigan beer. Yeah. It was fun. It was fun. Well, I'm actually smoking Michigan weed, which is good. good. Buy local. I do. You're because if you buy it somewhere else, it's against the law. <laughs> <laughs> you're not if you're smoking California weed, you snuck it in. So there you go. Um, here's what else I've been doing, and I'll check in about this. Um, I don't want to spend too much time on this because it's all anybody's talking about, but we'll just do a quick, how are you doing pandemic check-in here. And, oh, there's Lauren, and it was worth the wait, man. <laughs> you guys see Lauren with this room that she's in and her glasses and this top? You are got a lot going on. I'm sorry. I'm sorry I was late. Oh, girl, it was so worth it. You look amazing. You look like a star. Like, I've been wearing this shirt for forever. I know. I'll be back. I've got a... No, no. Um, here, I'll just say... Hi! Uh, pajama bottoms on the bottom. That's making a statement. I like I've been in Zoom meetings all day, so... You look we're, a, we're a Zoom company, so, uh, yeah. Yeah. So, so uh, Lauren and Chris, you guys have met before on another Reads and Weeds. Lauren, this is Brian Cox. He is the author of the short story we are reading. Lauren is in two very interesting industries right now with this situation going on in publishing and also restaurants. So she works with the National Restaurant Association. Uh, we were just getting ready to just, before we dive into books and weed and all that kind of stuff, tell me... Um, the biggest couple, well, first of all, I'm really happy you and John both have jobs right now and that you're able to work from home and stuff. But tell me specifically with the restaurant industry slash publishing industry, what's uniquely happening <sighs> with that industry right now? Um, yeah, where, where do I start? My company, so I work in the e-learning publishing side of things. So we create, you know, training and certification for the restaurant and hospitality industry. Mm-hmm. So it's also we're also the hotel side oh, of things wow. as well. So um, yeah, it's pretty dire, right? Mm-hmm. It's pretty awful for workers. It's pretty awful for organizations. Um, we've been working on getting free trading out. Um, so we created the learning and development department. We created a free like COVID nineteen training course for everyone. Um, it's just like 10 minutes long. I can share the link if you're interested. Like, like a, like a best practices. Please do. That would be amazing. Yeah. So it's guidelines, how to keep yourself safe. Um, it's for food handlers. So people preparing delivery, um, items and also for the people doing the delivery that may not be familiar with food safety stuff. Yeah. So overall the restaurant industry is actually 
pretty prepared overall for things like COVID-19 because of um, food safety training that is required. Um, but this is just kind of a, a refresher. And there are some things about COVID that are different than other food safety things. Like you have to wash your hands for at least 20 seconds. And yada, yada. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, it used to, it was just 15 seconds before for general, you know, pathogens. That extra five, five seconds. seconds. That's yeah, right. five seconds. So I'm sure you've seen serve safe. So certainly like you go to any restaurant, you see like serve safe certification. That's sort mm-hmm. of our main product. We're also offering because so many people are out of work. We are offering free training. So some of our products that normally would, you know, you'd have to pay for. So like professional development, tra- e-learning programs, things like mm-hmm. that. So if people are laid off or, they need something to do to get their mind off things. Um, so we've rolled out a couple initiatives. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But yeah, it breaks my heart um, yeah. in a million different ways. I was actually in Las Vegas the week, the weekend right before things got very real, like, you know, you know, yeah. where we had to like shelter in place. Um, and so, but like even seeing Las Vegas, like I guess it would be three weeks, no two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And just like nobody in Las Vegas, no one in the restaurants, no one around. Oh, um, really? Already? Hmm. Yeah. It was the weekend that um, was St. Patrick's Day. So uh, yeah, oh, it was crazy. Yeah. That was pretty, pretty in there. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, we did Michigan Cannabis Industry Association did sort of a best practices thing too, because we got the laws passed to make essential services like cannabis yeah. service. And then we got the laws passed to take care of the supply chain, like keep grocery stores open, things like that. Yeah. And the uh, delivery service curbside, that kind of thing. Telemedicine has been a little bit of a hurdle as is construction, because construction is kind of like, what if you're two weeks away from your million dollar build out? And then they say you can't have workers or inspections anymore. It's like, well, what are they going to do about that? So, so those are the other things we've been working on. And we've been making masks. So I've been making these kind of masks. And Aww, that's nice of you. We've, taken them awesome. out. we've done about the executive director of the MICIA, Kat, uh, Robin, her mom, Kathy, has made several hundred Wow. And anybody in any any cannabis business in Michigan that calls us and says, "Hey, can you bring me?" I delivered thirty this morning, and I delivered. It's amazing. About, I delivered about eighty last week, I think. And Lauren, I'm so happy for you to meet Brian because he is um, he's an editor too. I mean, he's oh, kind cool. of and and he. I'll let him tell you a little bit about himself. We know each other mainly through I've we've done kind of shows together and he's a playwright and he produces shows. He produces a show called snapshots where you talk about a, but it's a storytelling event where you talk about a picture. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm trying to get sh- uh, John to come and he goes, Oh, I'm stoned. I was like, no, that's what you're supposed to <laughs> that's what the show's about. John. It's totally is the reeds and weeds. I'm actually not, I'm not because I was still working. Uh, well, <laughs> get him to get him to join. Hey, John. Hi. <laughs> Hi. Yeah. So uh, their house is so great. I wish I was there in that big backyard, sitting at that picnic table. <laughs> um, okay. So Brian, tell us a little bit about. Oh, and I guess the other thing we've done together is that uh, play staged reading of local plays. Yeah. 
I can't yeah. remember what the play, it was me and Allison and Gary. You and Allison, Miko and... Um, Gary Lehman, I think. Yeah, Gary. But Very fun guy. I don't remember what it was about. I have no idea. <laughs> I think it was about, it was about, blowing, up, it was about blowing up urinals in men's oh. room. <laughs> what? Oh, my God. Yeah. All right. But it was kind of dramatic because okay. right? it was a plot. As an act of uh, protest. It was a protest. Oh, yeah. my God. Oh, it was great. That was great fun. So, okay, Brian, I just binged this today, and I'm so excited to talk to you about it. So tell me what... Me too. Yeah, tell me about it. Tell me about writing it. Well, tell them, first of all, what your normal job is and what, and then about writing this. Uh, okay, I'm a newspaper editor, actually, okay. and uh, there's a, a, a daily newspaper in Detroit. It's called the Detroit Legal News. And so it's really a very small niche market. We just, it's to lawyers and judges and other people in the legal profession. Uh, but it's a daily. Um, so I'm the editor of that. Uh, I occasionally write a mystery short story because years ago, um, when I got out of high school, I went to New York and I got a job as the managing editor of this this mystery magazine, Alfred Hitchcock's Mystery Magazine, oh. so, um, which was a great job. Uh, but that's who published, you know, they, they published, I don't know. Uh, well, it's a monthly, but they, they published eight or ten of my stories. So I only do one every, I do t maybe two a year. <laughs> but... Um, but I also write plays, and uh, I have a little theater company. What was, the name of the one, what was the name of the one with just two people on stage the whole time? Uh, it was called Clutter. Oh, Clutter. my God. That was good. That was good. That actually uh, won a, a Wild Award for Best New Script in uh, Michigan. Oh, yes. Was that Congrats. 2016, Thank you. It was, yeah. 2019? What's that? It was 2018, right? Yeah, yeah. Way to go. That was a, it was yeah. a, basically a couple on stage sort of kind of retelling their whole relationship, right? Wait, no, it was three people, right? Yeah, well, there ended up being another, yeah, there's a third guy that plays the older guy when he was younger. Right, exactly. Which sounds confusing, our, it, but hopefully it's not. It was our tune, Kirkley, wasn't it? Yeah, it our was. He yeah, <laughs> yeah, he was really good. Yes, yes, wow. Yeah, so it got published in Hitchcock in this edition of Hitchcock. Mm -hmm. um, see, I'm right, right down the cover. Can you see my name, like right oh. there? Oh. Uh, anyway, so um, it got published. That was back in um, when was it? I don't know. It was the September October 2019 edition, and remarkably. Um, well, just remarkably, it was selected for they they there every year there's an anthology uh, put out by Houghton Mifflin called the Best mm -hmm. American Series, and they have multiple anthologies. It might be Best American Science Fiction, okay. Best American Science. I have writing. a ton over there. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, I always get the fiction. Yeah. 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 Right. And um and one of them is mystery stories, and it got chosen to as you know, that's great. One of the best, 
What? This is a, how absurd does this sound? This is one of the best American mystery stories of last year. I mean, that's yeah. you know pretty stupid. That's awesome. That's, that's not stupid. Uh, that's it. It's awesome. Yeah, what's, what's with this bullshit underselling you keep doing? Yeah. <laughs> well, because, I'll tell you why. Because, and there's actually really good reasoning behind this, is that if you, if you, and I tend not to put too much credence in awards, you know, yeah, like sure. if you've seen the Academy Awards or the great, you know, there are plenty of times you're like, mm, that sure. did not deserve sure. an award. Oh my so God, comedy content. If you get one, you also have to kind of think that way. Go, well, you know, it's great. It's cool. I'll take it. Right. But I don't know that I'm going to assign any more importance than just because I got it. You know, you can't win an Academy Award. When In the past, you've been like, oh, they suck and it's all political. And then win one and go, oh, my God, I've so earned this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That doesn't yeah. That's not cool. So that's why I, I recognize that I like it. I'm very happy that it was chosen. But I also recognize that that doesn't necessarily mean I may have written a better story some other time. Right. Than totally. That's all. Sure. That's just a time thing. But you submitted it and it got picked up. And you got attention for that. That's awesome. It's, well, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And what kind of writer would you be if you didn't have like, crippling self-doubt you know <laughs> it took me a long time because i think it's easy to to um sometimes it's hard to recognize sometimes when you're not the writer that you want to be like i always wanted to be a literary writer i wanted to be a writer that um you know someone like john updike or you know sure. somebody that and and then after a while you're like oh I'm not that writer. I'm <laughs> this kind of a writer. I'm a genre writer. I'm a, you know, mm-hmm. and then to adjust to that and go, well, okay. If that's the kind of writer I am and that's what I'll do, I guess. Yeah. So. Yeah. Awesome. Some people don't even like John Updike. Never heard of him. There is that. That's true. <laughs> Actually, quite a few people don't like John Updike. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure. They're like, but you know, this Brian Cox. That guy. Damn, that guy. Bam. Um, yeah, I wish you'd been in on, hey, since our elements of fiction recording just sucked and tanked, (laughs) we could do it again. And Brian or Lauren, you guys could, do you know the book I'm talking about, Brian? Elements of Fiction by Walter Mosley? Yes, absolutely. Have you read it? I don't, but I have to. Yes. Oh, you should come on and talk to us about it. I would be happy to. I could do this all day. (laughs) <laughs> talking about other people that, my plans. that I can do all day. Cancel oh. my plans. I have assistants in my house. This is one. Um, this is Kevin. Uh, he's a strong, um, super chill. He's he's around. And then I've got. Uh, I'm, I think I might have introduced you guys to this these before. Chris, I know you've met these two, but um, there's this guy right here. Yeah. No. Can you oh. see him? Hi. He doesn't have a name, but um, I hang out with these two quite a bit. So. I'm going to say, this must be very trying on you, Shelly. You are a very social person. I like this. You're yeah. always on the go and ready to go out, like I going think, to things. I think you've got the wrong impression, my dear. <laughs> I am happy in Shelly land. Just, are you? Oh, yeah. I don't. 
I know. I'm always like, you're the busiest person I know. Like, I'm sorry, I have to go to an African dance class and then I'm going to go <laughs> and then I'm going to stop over to this. Every single activity. Yeah. 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 You're making calls. I'm mm-hmm. making calls. I do. I do. Yeah, you're well, making calls. You got calls to make. I'm making call. I made some calls today. <laughs> I know you did. Yeah, I have but, no doubt. But the but the thing is, is I've been in this apartment like smoking weed, watching The Handmaid's Tale, sewing masks for twelve days, and I am a happy camper. <laughs> Not happy. Well, Handmaid's Tale, though. That's that's some rough. I would content. watch that now. Oh my god. It's just a good story to follow. It's it's a scary story. Yeah, yeah. I read it when I was ninth grade. That was whatever eighth grade. Did you guys have to read that? You read that? No, you didn't read it in school. Chris and I went to high school together. Um, Brian, Lauren, the one with the smashing outfit. She's the one that works at the Firefly Club with me. Oh, okay. Yep, that's how we met. Jazz. So okay. Um, So I'm gonna. talk about the book first <laughs> or the, the story, the story. <laughs> because I love James Patterson because okay. I read James Patterson on the plane and I know I'm going to pick this book up and by the end of this trip I'm going to be done with it flight out flight in book done and James Patterson just keeps cranking out stories that I can follow that will last me one flight and back for, for like most of my life. And there's certain things. He's made a gazillion dollars doing it. Yeah. And he's made a gazillion dollars doing it. But when I started reading yours, it was like, I liked it for the same reason. Oh, you can see Russia. Sorry, my cat. She just stood up in the back. <laughs> she was like, <laughs> she's like, <laughs> she stood up in the back. Russia, there is, okay, there's a globe over here. So um, she's when she was a kitten, she just came to us, this calico cat. She just kind of showed up. And so, um, and she just imprinted on us. And my son spun the globe and I was like, okay, you can choose her name. And it, like it fell on Russia. Nice. So that's why she got named that. <laughs> it was four years ago. So it was kind of like pre a lot of the uh, current Russia <laughs> sure. uh, political stuff that we got going on. <laughs> Now it's just a more exotic, controversial name of a cat. And Russia's cool, too. She's a good poser. Yeah. It's either that or NSA thinks I'm really interesting because the amount of time <laughs> Russia hey, in Russia? any given day. Yeah. They're like, she's always talking about Russia. <laughs> always. Russia wants outside. Russia wants inside. Right. Russia's hungry. Russia's yeah. in a post. She's obviously plotting something. Um, okay. That's exactly right. That's it. So, um, same reason I love James Patterson. That's what I was talking about. Can you guys believe I refound that thread, that train of thought? I'm so impressed. Um, you immediately create a picture I can see, action that moves quickly, characters I can picture, um, and, and, a, and a problem that I'm worried about in the first mm. two pages. I was like, yeah. oh, what is this? What's going to happen? This sounds bad. I'm nervous. <laughs> I'm going to read more. <laughs> so that's what I loved about it. Anyone else? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I have, a qu- I have a question, actually. Okay. So uh, two of my brothers, I started reading this, and I was like, this is very familiar. Um, 
my brother, Grady, was actually the data scientist for like the criminal justice committee in the state of Michigan. So he ran all of, he, he helps do all the studies for a lot of the folks making the laws. Like he'll do the stats, right? He'll do the math and say, you know, this percentage of, you know, so-and-so um, defendants are going to reoffend, yada, yada. But he advises them. Ooh. But there is an actual study out there about the unreliability of um, justices, right? Like when they're, or of judges when they are ruling on cases. Like, is that, is this based on on sort of that study. Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. How did, tell us how you started writing this. <laughs> oh, um, I, I, the answer, Lauren, is no. I'm not familiar with that study. I'd be interested okay. to look at it. Um, it's very striking. <laughs> yeah, that, I, I'm interested in hunting that down. So if you can send me the link, or that'd be really interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Because my brother worked on it. He, he, it came out of New York, but... Basically, like the gist of it is that essentially, if you were to do a data analysis of all of the uh, of the offenders' profile, right? You know their their history, any um, crimes they've already committed, any convictions, you know, and then you uh, put it together with other factors like um, income or the working, you know, some of those mm -hmm. other things that would contribute. Um, the data analysis. Um, was able to predict whether or not um, you should give bail, whether or not they're going to reoffend, you know, things like that. Where it, so the data analysis was way more reliable, kind of like what you have here, like the AI, than the judges on a case-by-case -case basis. Right, 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 right. I see. Yeah. I understand. Yeah, that's fascinating. Um, it did not originate with that kind of a okay. thought, though. What really began, I uh, began thinking about... Um, what we think technology won't replace, you know, how we, how we think, well, you know, it's, it, it, it might replace things that are automated and it might replace, um, uh, you know, vacuums, but it's certainly not going to replace things that humans are particularly good at. Um, uh, you know, you can't imagine Shelley, right. You can't imagine a, a robot comedian, can you? I mean, that's impossible. Comedians no, are going to be... There was an episode of Star Trek where Data became a comedian. Do you remember that? I don't. I was, he, was he any good? Well, the thing is, no. the, because... Yeah. No, he wasn't good, but the audience was programmed to laugh. Ah. Uh, it, it was like a holodeck simulated comedy club or something. Almost mm -hmm. every comedian mm -hmm. I know has watched this episode and freaked out about it because the <laughs> character that he's sort of learning with is like a, I, I feel like he was like a Joe Piscopo type comedian. And then yeah. Data becomes a comedian because he doesn't understand laughter and he wants to. And he's like, I can learn how to tell a joke. And he, and he starts doing it. And, you know, believe it or not, there's a lot of crossover between stand-up comedians and Star Trek watchers. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do believe that. I do I believe that. I want to see that, that, that Venn diagram I can see. <laughs> it's like this. <laughs> it's like this. Like it's there's, just a there's hole. one person who hasn't watched Star Trek, but all she's a new girl. She's like 23. She'll watch it because it's the, she's inside right now with another comic and they're forcing her to. So, um, yeah. I interrupted you while you were talking about the beginning of the story. So what wouldn't, what wouldn't technology replace? And then so, so, yeah, well, so, and then that corresponded with a, um, one of those 
I got an email or I got, I can't remember if it was an email or some kind of ad on Facebook that lined up exactly with what I was interested in at that time. And um, which I believe was slow cooking recipes. So uh, (laughs) I was like, wow, that is, you know, that we, we know that, that they have all this information on you and they can assemble it. So that kind of percolated and became this idea of, well, why wouldn't they be able to figure out what you would decide? Like if you were given a couple of choices, they certainly could say, well, that person is going to choose X. We know it. And you probably would. Um, and then that, that's a very short jump to, um, well, they could decide how a jury, and you have jury um, consultants and you have, where they actually kind of do this stuff on a more, I um, mean, they use data and, 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 and intuition and whatnot, but um, why not have a, uh, be able to create these uh, essentially AI juries that represented an individual and come in and say, I'm speaking for them. I'm going to tell you how that person would decide. And that's where it, it, uh, it was actually a very complicated dream. And then I woke up and I went, I need to write that. So I did. Was it really a dream? The, um, yeah, I mean, I mean, it was a, uh, yeah, it was a very complicated idea that came to me in a, I can't, in a dream, but not in a story style dream. Um, that happens to me quite often, right? So it's, I, it's your, your, um, I don't know what you want to call it, where you're just, your mind is just open and fluid and things come in. (laughs) Sorry. I'm unconscious. Yeah. Um, really so that's, that's, that's what it was. I woke up going, oh my God. So, yeah. That's that's awesome. Long answer to a short question. Yeah. The details of the kind of place, the, the sort of future that they're in, where they're scanning their arm and their yeah. drones flying over. And it's just, I, I love in a story or in a movie where there's a lot of futuristic stuff, but then there's also Mm -hmm. like grit. Like there's also like getting a BLT. It's just, you're getting a BLT by scanning something instead of just getting a BLT to greasy spoon. And that combination of like, uh, I don't know the, the, the really weird AI tech type technology with it's grounded in like actual human behavior. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And it's around now. I mean, that's the thing that scares like I work in Sears Tower, right? Willis Tower. Um, and they actually have like the thumbprint scanner thing that you can use in lieu of your actual, you know, ID badge or whatever. Um, and that, you know what, that is something that I wanted to do. I wanted to make it near future. I wanted it to be something that you felt like, oh, wow, this could really kind of be oh. right around the corner. This oh, is, yeah, and they have the robots, really too. Um, so nothing, robots. I don't want it to be 100 years in the future. This could be 8, 10 years from now. So. Yeah, I think, well, I think the thing, like, this is not just a mystery to me. It's like, I think AI is one of the scariest things out there, right? Like, because there's so much of it that we don't know that is currently going on. Like, you know, we can, we can joke about like the Alexa in the kitchen and we're, we're talking about making mac and cheese and all of a sudden like a mac and cheese thing pops up, right? Because right. 
us. But it's what's going on currently, like, you know, like the facial recognition software, all of that stuff is already in place. Like we've, if we've flown in the last year or five years, like, you know, you, you've been scanned for some of that stuff, you know, like it's, it's just very interesting how much of the AI stuff goes on perhaps, and we don't even know that we've consented to yeah. it as well. Well, just even predictive behavior data, predictive behavior mm-hmm. data, predictive analysis yeah. for marketing. Well, well, like, you, you, me, and everybody has one of those examples where they were talking about something and then their phone shows ads for it. Like right. you're talking about something and your yeah. phone's in the car. And then an hour later, it's like flight to Iceland. <laughs> you know, like really? Like we were, I was on talking to someone through the window about their flight to Iceland. And I'm seeing, you know, it's already weird like that. Yeah. Um, but this isn't, but the other thing that I think you did well was you built relationships between everyone in the story. Um, I'm so glad I had to read this. I, I don't know if I've read other stories of yours. I mean, I read the script, I think, but uh that's hard. A lot of times in Reads and Weeds, we're talking about things that are hard for us to write because Chris is a writer and Lauren's a writer. And and there's certain things where like the immediate, kind of like in an improv scene, when you walk into an improv scene and you're trying to get the relationship down really quick, like in the first line or two. Mm-hmm. And so in here, there's like, a, you don't even really introduce people without knowing their relationship to the, you know, are they for the other person's ideas? Do they have background with the other person? Are they getting along with the other person? It's so clear so quickly. Yeah, that was flawless. Yeah. Yeah. By the end of page two, everybody's met. I think it was page two or page four, something like that. I was like, oh, wow. Everybody's met. And you're then you're off to the races. Yeah. 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 How do you do that? (laughs) I was thinking about it because, you know, you know, I don't know if Brian, you knew you were writing a short story when you wrote it, but I was thinking, God, you know, like in a short story, you really don't have any time to waste. You've got to kind of get everything out there. Yeah. So one of the things that, um, uh, when I, was the for off off of the first draft i'd shared it with a few people whose opinions i trust and and um across the board all of them said oh this is a book you know you this is a big enough idea um that you should write a book um but i tried that back in my early 20s and uh i can't do that so i knew uh i wasn't gonna write uh a novel based on it. So I really, and my next story that I just sold is patterned after this idea. I really tried to take a book idea, like a legal thriller, something that you might see in minority report or, and condense it into 8,000 words or so, however many words it is. Um, And it's an interesting exercise to say, Oh, okay, I've got to do, 
typically a short story, and I don't want to talk too much, but typically a short story, right, is it's, it's written as a short story. It has its own elements. It doesn't try and pretend to be a book. Um, but what I was trying to do with this and the, and the next one is go, well, what if it is a book? I'm just going to try and tell it in 8,000 words. Um, oh, it's, it's the it, same it, setting? It was, it was kind of a challenge. It was a challenge, but it was fun. Yeah. Is it the same setting or like the same environment? Then the next story? The, mm-hmm. No, the next. So like this one, I look as like, I look at as like a John Grisham. Yeah. Uh, mashed up. Yeah, this reminds with, me of Mike, Michael Conley. Yeah, yeah exactly. Kind of stuff, mashed yeah. up with, with some kind of, um, like who's a, what might be a sci-fi book? Um, I can't think of one right now, but, but so a sci-fi legal thriller is the genre that I want to throw that into. Sci-fi legal thriller. And the, yeah. And the one that I, okay. I just sold is a mashup of a Dan Brown. So, uh, he wrote, um, yeah. Um, da Vinci Code. Da Vinci Code, that big one. Uh, a Dan Brown. Huh? Lauren won. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Dan yeah. Brown I got a lot of useless stuff, stuff up here. Uh, with a Steven Spielberg, Indiana Jones movie. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, no pressure to write a book, but I thought of this as a chapter or two in a book that I want to read <laughs> because I was like, well, what, what's the next case or what's the next, you know what I mean? It could be, there's some kind of series or. Well, I really, you know what, Shelly, because you've said that, <laughs> no, I won't be doing that. There will be no book. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so persuasive. Um, well, so I want to know just because I've never even tried to write something this complete this isn't my style of writing but I love reading it so I'm wondering like how many drafts does it take you how did how soon in did you know how it was going to begin and begin and end Mm. no the first so um I'd not written anything like this before like with this many what I would I would call science fiction elements that is not my natural bent um so the the first draft had a um uh a, a very a very different ending um and it was not as rich in details like i knew i needed to go back over it and fold some other stuff in and and you know flesh it out um so i, th- I think there were f- i'll say there were four drafts probably four drafts and it good for you slow writer so it's you know probably took me a couple months but it was fun it was it was one of the most fun stories i've written yeah it's fun so since this isn't something you can just go run out to the library and get right now it's called the surrogate initiative and it's going to be in the best mysteries of 2019 right best American Mystery Stories 2020 is what it's called. 2020. Why? I don't know because all was, of I know. And how did it get into the mystery genre? Did you submit it in a mystery genre? Of uh, How did... 
Yeah, because of the magazine that it was published in, which is the uh, Alfred Hitchcock Mystery Magazine. Uh, it, that's that's what slots. It could if it, I guess it could have been a science fiction story if it had been sold into a science fiction magazine. Yeah. I yeah. Two is, how are you doing? How is your state doing? How are you doing in quarantine? How is your uh, job? How are you handling things out there? Um, yeah, being being in touch with each other and talking about books is very calming. So I would love to read with you <clears throat> and to have you read along with what we read. And if you're listening, here's what you need to know about the Surrogate Initiative is we're introduced to um, sort of competing uh, interests of a case, of a murder case, and the judge, and they're deciding whether or not an artificial intelligence jury is a good idea. And the it first is trial. Using it. The first trial of using it. And there's a lot of passion on both sides about that. And as you read, you can tell that we're near future. So there's things like scanning your arm to get things. And there's drones delivering things. And there's, you know, advanced artificial intelligence that a lot of people have accepted. And other people are still fighting. And, um... And there's consequences of that, immediate consequences of the decision to use artificial intelligence as a jury in a murder trial. And uh, did I cover it? <laughs> did I yeah. We're mostly following, I can't remember, it's close third, Brian, from the chick's point of view. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, so it's all, you're kind of watching, and she's one of the original developers of the AI? Or yeah, she's an AI psychologist. Got it, that's right, that's right. That's right, so it's like her baby, and she's kind of bringing it to death. <laughs> that's what I'm going to, just my next move after the pandemic's over, is AI psychologist. I feel like it's <laughs> a big, that or like farming. <laughs> Those are my two options. Or dancing. One of those. It's going to be one of those. Um, yes. <laughs> all, all very uh, similar disciplines. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I've got time to study. I've got time to study. <laughs> Tell me again what, what close third means. The point of view close third. Chris, remind me what that means. Or Brian. Either one of you studied people. It's, it's You're very close to one character. It's not coming from inside of her head. But we're what like we see her with her dad when she goes home. We, you know, it, it's all kind of as if the camera is resting like right on her shoulder. Oh basically. yeah, yeah. Did you mentally cast this, Brian? <laughs> no, I didn't. Really? Question. Because you think you would think that I would have. I would think you absolutely knew who in this area would play every one of these characters. Yeah, you're right. I, that is freaking fascinating to me. That's what I do is completely based on that. Yeah. Um, I already have a character for you that you can throw into your next story. Oh, who is it? Jelly Cleans the Streets. Fucking telling you, man. Actually, you can't have it because I'm gonna use. You got it. 
going to use it. Shelly cleans the streets. Chris is fascinated by the fact that I clean the streets with He's going to be this like secondary character that that helps the whole novel move forward. I love it. I love it. Yep. You have a year. You have one year. One year. One year. Okay. All right. Let's do it. Does anybody that? Or it's a marijuana pop-up book where Shelly smokes pot at the beginning and then all the pop-ups are Shelly cleaning the streets. Uh, <laughs> so really you just need photos from my daily life. Dude, seriously. Or both. Really? No, Shelly, this what? You know, David, David Sedaris also cleans the streets. Um, yes, he does. And he steps in. Steps in. Yeah. Isn't he in but, France that he's cleaning Yes, the streets? but like so obsessively that they, he actually and was rec- he started to get a lot of like recognition for doing this because it was like yeah. he couldn't stop himself, you know, like any, he yeah. had a, a step counter, right? So he kept going, upping his game, upping his game. But right. they actually named the trash truck after him. Shelly, so, yeah. <laughs> that that could be you. Well, what's great about it? I could see that. She could get like a little Ypsilanti award, dude. I'm writing that shit down. <laughs> you guys need to know. That's in the book. That's going in the book. Thank you. Brian Brian lives in Ypsilanti too, right, Brian? I do. Right. So Brian can attest to the fact that I could clean up Riverside Park today and there wouldn't be a big celebration because it's going to be dirty tomorrow. Oh, tell me about it. That's why a, bit I a, a bit of a Sisyphus. Yeah, I gotta, <laughs> it's a Sisyphus. It's a Sisyphus. But like, you can, if you're trying to get, if you're trying to get some proactive cardio in an Ipsy, there's trash to pick up. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, yeah. No, I, I lived in that loft on yeah. uh, Depot Street there, twenty three and a half Cross Street. Yeah, and people will go, "Oh wow, why are you doing this?" Oh my and God! Like when I this is dirty. dirty. <laughs> it's dirty. I volunteered to trash when I was traveling on dead tour, and you every parking lot means parking lot and there was a trash crew and and you you met everybody you met everybody you met all the crew members you met you saw the same people people would flag you down and be like oh hey i've got my truck can i give you all my cans i mean it was just like a network of how to like interface with that group of people and it it was really Really cool, actually. Not to mention, like, I'm sure there was a ton of ground scores, right, Chris? I so mean, many. You <laughs> probably <laughs> had some good stuff right. that people dropped. Hey, hey, Miles. My son Miles. wants to say hello. Miles, say hello. Hey, Miles. What's we have up? Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, I like that. And he's gone. He's gone. That's my, usually my interaction with Miles. Um, I, you know, what's interesting is it, it, it is a fun character idea because I think there's something interesting about not knowing anything about the person you're talking to, except that they're picking up trash <laughs> because nobody, do you know what I mean? They're just like, she's that girl that picks up trash. And I, I don't know. There's something, I think it says something a lot though. If you volunteer to pick up trash, 
rather than some people that you traditionally see picking up, like, right, it's a lot of times it's like parolees or people that are, you know, like community service, but like, right. if you're but think, so, so, so on my street, on my street, they, this man that he, I don't think he lives there anymore, but there used to be this man that just kind of like sat on the porch all the time and he was always there. <laughs> so and maybe, maybe a cat. And, um, he would point out things that I'd miss. You know, you would be like, oh my God, that's perfect. There's a cat. There's a cat. Do it. You may as well do a good job. I'm like, thanks. Thanks. And and I think he thought I was a service. Do you know what I mean? Right. So it's like, this was my street of service. And I mean, but, it, but it's interesting because the, the answer that is this so direct is, is dirty. I don't want the streets to be dirty. So clean them up, you know, and, and that answer, I feel like mystifies people. They're like, Oh, no, I do it on the lake shore. I, I live right near, um, Lake Michigan. So yeah. when I go for my hikes, I have, I bought like biodegradable, uh, like trash bags. And so I'll pick mm-hmm. stuff up. It drives me crazy. Yeah. It drives me crazy. Riverside park is already trashed again. Um, not as bad as it was the last time we did it, but you know, it's not, it's not gorgeous. So, um, do, do, do you guys ask Brian questions about this story? <laughs> Cause I've been hogging it. Unless you're too high, Chris, take your time. Take your Hi, time. I'm pretty high. I'm pretty high. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> I literally, I can't believe I'm like actually talking and making some sense. <laughs> it's the vodka. Job. You're doing a great job. You look like vodka's like grounding me. Wow. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I, I hear that. That's a that's a special kind of meditation that they, you know, the vodka grounding. Uh, <laughs> so. All right, I have a question. My question is, um, I guess, like Brian, just for fun, like. Uh, how long have you been writing? Did you write as a kid? When did you start taking it seriously? All that. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, the story I tell is that um, I was you know, like most people. I think that when they're big readers and they just and get it in their heads that they could write a book. Um, what are you? Probably about thirteen, fourteen, somewhere in there. You start having this idea, oh, maybe this is something I could do. And you kind of get into story, you start telling stories or, you know, writing out your own little stories. And, um, and then when I was a um, sophomore in high school, I started writing the sequel to Crime and Punishment. Good idea. Oh, well, it needs to be <laughs> done. Know, just a little, just, just a little project. It needs nope. to be done. I mean, it, uh, it's screaming for it. Um, <laughs> But, well, because, because the novel, uh, no, it's Dostoevsky, and, but, but, but the novel ends with Rascal Makov in prison, and, um, and his girlfriend, Sonia, is going to see him uh, at the fence, you know, at the, and, um, and the book kind of ends with this really weird paragraph about, I can't, I'll have to paraphrase it, but it's something about like now begins the rejuvenation of a man that he's going to get, he's going to be, become out of prison, a better person. Um, and, um, and even 
when I was you know, 13. I didn't understand half of that novel, but I understood that ending was bullshit. I was like, there's no way. I could not comprehend that book. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, like I said, there was tons that I read. I didn't know what was going on, but, um, but the ending, and I was like, that is not true. When he comes out of prison, he is going to be still very troubled. So I started writing that. Like when he gets out of prison, what happens to Raskolnikov? Well, I'd never been to Russia or the, so you know, I didn't know anything about it. So that was a fail. That was the fa- first failed novel. Uh, <laughs> was, it called, was it called Crime and Punishment 2? <laughs> more Crimer, more yeah, Punishment like two more crime, more like punishment. Punishment. Two. Yeah. But So the, the, um, so that was the first novel that I tried to write, and I was really serious about it. When you're thir- when you know when you're that age, you, you're se- I was serious about it. Oh yeah, um, all thirteen year old boys I know are super serious about writing. <laughs> it's so common. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, so then. Oh, no, I wrote- but that led. Huh? Oh no, I was gonna say, but then that led to a real life um, uh, covering uh, the law, right? Like what you right. I mean, actually, yeah, that's funny. Um, and recidivism, right? Like the idea that does it work? <laughs> yeah, it led to um, uh, my time in New York when I was the um, the managing editor of that of a crime mystery crime magazine, and uh, and now yeah, the legal news. So that's kind of interesting. Um, but then I was writing sh- short stories, you know, like people do. And I got one, I think I, I, my high, I was a senior and I got, I got my first one published, um, which I thought was a big deal. It is a big deal. Well, okay. Um, but, <laughs> well, here's the problem. You, you do not like the attention. No, no, no. This is... <laughs> I have thoughts on this, and, and, and you can edit this out, but my mistake was no becoming, <laughs> I was very concerned with getting published, and I thought that sure. was validation of good writing, and, oh, and yeah. my argument is it is not. Uh, <laughs> just because it's published doesn't mean it's good, right? That's no. Okay. Uh, but, but, but I didn't have anybody to shake me and say, listen, don't worry so much about getting published. Worry about writing something that is honest and you and publication will come in its own time. Um, right. So I had flipped it. I was writing. I, I initially learned to write when you asked that question, how to write. I initially learned how to write something that could be published, which immediately spins you into genre. Because that can be very structured. You can look at it. You can say, I see. These are the elements. How do you combine them? I can figure this out. It's like putting together a machine. And so um, that can be figured out. It isn't necessarily your own machine, um, but it's a machine and it works. Uh, But then when you, at least for me, when you move further down and you start to want to maybe write something with the S word, Something significant. Um, <laughs> I was like, "What's the S word?" No, I was scared. <laughs> you, 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 <laughs> you, you don't know how. You actually, you, 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 you spent all this time learning how to make a machine that somewhat or put together a machine that that somebody has already kind of built or that has 
Right. You know what I mean? A blueprint as opposed to learning how to put together your own machine. Um, So that was my writing experience. I think it's interesting. That's full. Everybody call them once and everyone stop talking. (laughs) Shelly or Chris, go. I'm raising my hand. Did you grow up in Ann Arbor? I grew up in uh, uh, Ann Arbor and Celine. Yeah, I graduated from Celine High School. You went okay. You went to Celine High School, so you were just from the get-go writing and kept writing. Yeah. And that's been your thing. And how long have you been at the legal paper? Um, eight years now. Okay. Okay. Yeah, it's the longest I've held any job, by the way. Way to go! Congratulations. Yeah, I am impressed. Yes. Nice. Good job. (laughs) No, that's a big deal. Yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to get there. <laughs> I'm working for myself, and I quit that job too. <laughs> <laughs> well, now, and and the, the three of you write. Well, how did when did you start writing? Like four years old, <laughs> right? I, I mean, yeah, yeah, she was always word focused. She kind of yeah. got she kind of turned my head in high school, and kind of got my attention on writing and I already liked stories I knew that um but she was kind of I don't know senior year high school I kind of was like oh she's writing things maybe I'll try to write some things um but I think the seed was already there I really liked stories yeah Mm -hmm. yeah and uh do you do you write literary stories do you write poetry do you write what do you write anything everything Lately, nothing. Uh, I, I write, I write snippets. I write a lot of beginnings. I don't finish anything. Oh, I'm you know what? Okay. Brian, on the Reads and Weeds blog. So we just did recently, my brilliant friend by Elena Ferrante. Oh, you- is that good? Everyone says it's wonderful. What? Oh, don't even get me started. You haven't read it. <laughs> read it. Oh, God. Um, Have you seen, like, uh, there's a lot of books. I, I, I know. <laughs> I oh, yeah. yeah. Is that a true read pile? She really no. should read these. Uh, no, some of it is stuff that I already have. Wow. Yeah. Lauren has, so Lauren used to be a chef at Zingerman's Roadhouse, Brian. Oh, it's Zingerman's. And so in the background, oh, isn't there an, is my, a poster? My poster. See that oyster dinner poster back oh, there? Oh, yeah. That was Lauren's dinner that she put together <laughs> and did. And so oh. her house has all these cooking. Oh, my God. She has all these cookbooks. She has all these National Restaurant Association books. She has all these, like, powerful women witchcraft books. She has all these kid books. Like, your house, the books in your house, you know, I just stand there on that kitchen island and stare at those books. <laughs> it's the best. It's no, I... I do love books, but see, and this is almost like a question too for you, Brian. So like, I find it difficult because I started getting into more technical writing, right? So, um, you know, like instructional design, like the textbooks I help write, like I, I write, you know, training and certification stuff. So it's almost, it's similar to writing for a newspaper where, you know, your copy has to be like short, concise, Yep. Um, and so I kind of, I feel like I get into a rut where I have a hard time going back to creative writing. Like I haven't, yeah. I've done prompts through therapy and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's harder for me because 
I, I used to give way too much, right? Way too much description. Right. And then for my job, I've had to become very succinct and, you know, business writing right. and technical writing. And I feel like it's, it's a hard balance or I don't know. Well, I think it can be, and you know, and, and but I would, I would encourage all of you, I mean, to really, really strongly encourage you and, and would love to see anything you wrote um, to find space for it in your life. I mean, there's a reason I only write two short stories a year. There, it does take a, a shift. You know, you have to, it, you're shifting away from journalism, which is what I primarily focus on. So that'd be like your technical writing. Um, uh, and, and, and you have to, that, that is a change. And you've got life around you. You've got a kid or maybe, I mean, uh, so, but I will tell you that it, that if you make time for it and it goes back to what I said, it doesn't matter what you do with it. It is the making of it. It Uh is the writing of it, whether it's published, whether it's put out on a blog, whether it's shared on Facebook, that's all well and good. But it almost doesn't matter. It, it is the yeah. meaning of it, and being so engaged much. in it, that is important. That I wouldn't want yeah. you to lose. That's yeah. all. I need to hold myself accountable. I think. Yeah. I, I think that's you know. It's like I need to join a group, or you know, maybe you know something like that. Like where I like do a little bit and then and bring it to the group. Like I just need to put it, build a routine and say, okay, I'm going to do this every you know two weeks or whatever. Yeah. So one of the and, and again, you can edit. Any part of this out, no. but um, <laughs> when, I, when I came back from New York, I was I was in my and I loved New York. I, and when I went to New York, I really felt that I had found like my tribe. That idea of oh my god, I've found people who yeah. like to talk about the things that I talk about, who think about the things that I think about, and yeah, have this energy that that I yeah. want to. Uh, attach myself to. Um, and I hadn't known that in, in, in where I, in Celine and Ann Arbor. Um, and there's many reasons for it. Not that it wasn't here, but I didn't find it. I didn't know it was, I, I didn't know it was here. Um, and when I left New York, I didn't know, I, you know, I come from a, you know, anyway, a lot of people that I, um, my friends and family and whatnot, don't, don't, they think I'm, you know, odd. So, um, those kids. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was gonna say, what is the adjective we're gonna land on? Yeah, exactly. I, had, I edited myself several times. <laughs> but I, was gonna um, say, I grew up in Fowlerville, Michigan. So, so you, know. you were very cosmopolitan in Celine. Yeah, right. When I went to Ann Arbor, that's where I discovered like intellectualism. <laughs> so, yes. and it is like, an amazing yeah. thing. So here, so the reason I brought all that up is to say that when when, when I came back, I felt I had been in a in a desert. Man, if you need a kick in the pants, yeah, pull yourself off, you know. Yeah. But they were it was great it, because what it did and, and the and the best part of it for me wasn't that they were willing to read anything that I wrote. It was that I was reading other people's stuff and I was, it was engaging me to think, why is this good? Why is this not good? Why does this work? Why doesn't this work? How could this be better? And that kind of engagement with text and with storytelling, yeah. I found it rejuvenating. So I would strongly yeah. encourage you to do that, to find a group to, and join. Um, yeah. Yes. 
and and things like this even that you're doing is so I was going to say because uh, when I got on that Elena Ferrante rant a minute ago, it was to tell uh, Br- uh, Lauren and Brian that Chris wrote a blog post called "If I Could Smoke Weed with Elena" <laughs> and talk about Dido. It's called "If I Could Smoke with Elena and Talk About Dido," and so she does this. It's it's just great. It's great. Um, so I'd encourage you to read that. That's an example of Chris's writing. I would Here's love to see that. I mean, I'm obsessed with Elena Ferrante. I will say about that blog and those books that um, that is the first writing assignment that I have had since I was in school that I, I mean, I, I have one short story that was published in this magazine. Oh. Yeah, I'm really proud of it. Like I read it now, and I'm like, "Damn, no shit." Not bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, it's really fun, and Where is I know I can do it. Um, but something's been going on the last four or five years. I, I just a lot. I know it's a lot. I know it's my shit. And I was. It's funny you mentioned the writing group because I was gonna write. I joined a writing group, and then I life got intense, and I had to to skip out for a while. But I, I went back to it a few years later. Oh my God, it was so bad. And I, I was in an MFA program, so I was in writing groups for three years. Oh, yeah. I, I found my tribe, actually. Um, it's interesting you said that, because I actually found that with a group of writing strangers in a foreign country and hadn't felt that for the preceding 35 years. Yeah. <laughs> so, and then, but it was a distance learning thing, and then we all kind of went back to their, our corners. We all still keep in touch, but I have not been able to find that kind of crew and that kind of um, trust and bond um, anything local in Boulder. In fact, when I've tried, it's, it's backfired so miserably that it kind of sets me back. So now I have this like fear, but anyway, enough about me. I just, I just have something going on um, that's purely psychological about perfectionism maybe or um so so if no yeah well i would love i love talking about that or or figuring out why uh some people are able to write free and other people are are uh kind of like bound up and they're second guessing every and i think all of the schooling and then the, this weird pressure I put on myself, I don't know what's happened, but something in the beginning, like you were saying earlier, like you, you wrote to, uh, to have things published. When I got into writing and taking it seriously through an MFA, everybody was talking about publishing all the time. And I was like, why did, I could care less about getting anything published. I was more engaged and concerned with the craft and making my janky, jumbled up, you know, shit. I was I was way more into the process and figuring out my stuff and studying literature and writing, and still love that. And that Elena Ferrante blog. I mean, that that got me so going. I was like, oh yeah, I remember having moments where I was thinking like I could get a PhD in liter in literature, 18th century literature or some shit, because you get so focused on these like little narrow aspects of the story and it's yeah. so fun to research so fun i loved all those classes in college too oh. man and all of so my good. 
I took tons. I ended up with a, a general studies degree. I mean, I, 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 I studied political science and history, but I took so many English classes and it was like yeah. all the creative writing and poetry and all. I, yeah. I, I love that stuff. And yeah, I, I, I agree. Classes forever. I could be in classes forever. I just took two classes on writing a novel, loved them. I'm ready to take another class. So I'm also a little worried about myself. Now this turned into my therapy session. But I'm <laughs> okay, a little Chris. worried that I could just, I'm stuck. I've heard other writers talk about it in teachers where it's like, you're just stuck in taking classes or you're just stuck uh-huh. in putting the things in front of you that are keeping you from doing the actual writing. There is that. <laughs> That's, There's, it. Yeah. That's exactly also, it. Don't you think that, that thinking about and analyzing um, other people's work is so invigorating um, and it's, uh, it's, um, it's, it is different work from trying, and, and particularly once you've analyzed it all and you've, and you've, you've got all this in your head. So what happens now, this is what's happening. I guarantee it is that you start to write something and you go, you know what? I can see why it's a problem already. I can see that this is not working. This is not connecting. This isn't, um, uh, what it should be. Right. And oh, sorry, am I talking? Oh, yes. Um, and so it's you're you are shutting yourself down right then because you're already you're you're analyzing it before it's done, and it's not fair to yourself. But that's how you that's how your mind is thinking. I I, I, I almost guarantee that's the case. Yeah. Okay. I'm getting like the basics going, and then something's happening where. I don't know, man. It's weird, but I, I, have, I, to, that's I have to share a funny contrast story because I have a, a kind of almost like a polar opposite uh, story, journey. I was leaving one big, long door-to-door book selling type career, moving back to Ann Arbor, starting to wait tables. It was 2001, 9-11 had just happened. Like everything was changing. And uh, was trying to figure out like, oh, you know what? I've always wanted to get more into writing and and maybe I'll... So around Ann Arbor, there was all these little meetup groups. There was like an open information session at the Hopwood Room for scholars. Mm-hmm. Already, I'm way too... Holy intended. shit. I was like, I was there then. I know. I, I, went, I went in... And I was looking around and I had been writing stand-up. You know, I just started doing a little bit of stand-up, you know. Maybe this was around 2003 or something. And, uh, I'd st- you know, I'd always kind of wanted to write, you know. And then I realized, like, oh, this over-analysis, this, like, spending a semester looking at a whole bunch of freshman essays and then writing with your group, I was like, this is not... I want to write something, say it out loud, see if it's funny. Write something, say it out loud, see if it's funny. And so I'm like, I don't really care what any of these fuckers think about what I'm writing because I'm going to go see if it's funny in an hour, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, See, that's a couple things. That's instant gratification, right? Right. But but it's it's also you're completing the cycle. Yeah. You're completing the whole cycle the whole really, cycle really quickly. quickly. So like, yeah. and, and, but it makes that whole process of, I wrote this, 
I need to edit this. I need to say this. And there's going to be immediate proof about whether or not the editing worked. <laughs> and then, right. so comedians sitting around writing together will just be like, cut that out. Say that yeah. slower. Say that a second time. Cut that right. out. You know, it's just this kind of, if I just yeah. pause there, or if I just choose a more descriptive, you know what? I need a different animal. That's not a good animal example. Yeah. It's like the, the things that make editing spoken word type things yeah. mm -hmm. in, good are completely different than things that make written word good. So as I've been trying to, Anna, the co-producer of Reason Weeds, she was like, we need to do more blog posts. Just write something, you know, <laughs> just, just make it more regular. And I was like, I don't know. I tweak it. She's like, I think it's really funny. We're posting it. And it got me out of the, yeah. you know, Chris's very well thought out essay on Dido and Elena Ferrante was followed up quickly by my, I lost my bra, uh, <laughs> post. Um, not I've got one for Shelly that we can attach to something. What? I've got a paragraph I'll send you. Oh, good. Okay. Okay. Because what, so what I've been appreciating about Anna is she's like making me produce something and the something yes. is just because it's my blog, it's my reads and weeds. It's got to be my voice. It can't be anybody else's. It's just like, see, no, that's exactly just write That's it. Stuff, you know, just be high at cultivate and write about being high at cultivate and send it to me and we're going to post the shit. And I'm like, Okay, <laughs> so it makes me write something, edit it a little bit, and complete it, and it's this real vulnerable, like, shit, well, so that's out there. So what, what's interesting is the right, right to publish. Um, the other thing about that with comedy, I think, is that if you're writing, like, I'm going to be edgy, or I'm going to do things that uh, will freak people out in the club, or I'm going to do things that get me booked in a club, or it's like, well... I can tell that's not genuine to your voice, especially when you write it for yourself to say it out loud and it's not you. So yeah. what you can tell when comedians are like writing a punchline, you know, versus they, yeah. they're feeling what they're talking about. And it yeah. still has to be written out and it still has to be good. But if you're trying to, I, I don't know. I, it, it, you can tell that sort of I'm writing for a specific purpose but rather than I'm writing to express something that I'm actually interested in. Mm -hmm. And with stand-up, it's so glaringly obvious when something isn't authentic. It's yeah. immediately glaringly obvious. There's no nothing to hide behind. So anyway... <laughs> There's all that. Do you think? Do you think a a, a a story needs to be read or a joke needs to be heard for it to? When you talk about the cycle, for for it to to be manifest. You mean to have value or finished? Uh, I will say oh. finished, but yeah, yeah, finished. Not a value, but a finished. Yeah. What was so the question? He's saying, does, does the story have to be read or a joke have to be told for it to be considered finished? I would say not in my opinion, because oh. I like to write like my pleasure. And it's interesting because this is probably 
you know, I'm on stage a decent amount, but I've never been on stage going like, maybe this is when I'll be famous. You know, I'm just kind of like, oh, I like hosting that show. And I like writing for this because it gives me something fun to do. And, and when I write in my notebooks, 98% of it is never going to be seen or heard nothing. So that 2% that is stand up or a blog or whatever is such a tiny amount of what I'm writing on a regular basis that it's just kind of a little something out there, you know? So 90% of my writing isn't ever going to be seen by anybody. I don't think. Yeah. Yeah. And and they die. You're saying they're connected works. That's true. The undiscovered works. Lists lists of vegetables I want to learn how to cook with. (laughs) (laughs) That is a great genre right now because you know people all over the world are making lists right now. They are. My list the other day, my list the other day, I bought like, like you would think right now, and I sort of am, I'm sort of, you know, everybody's handling this uh, situation differently. And some people I've, I've have had, you know, Zoom meetings with people where I'm like, oh, it's so great to see you. And I can immediately feel their anxiety. They're panicking. I can feel it, you know. And um, I've realized like some people are just panicking, but I'm, I feel like I'm like, you know, those people in a, in like a zombie apocalypse movie who just, for whatever reason, they're ready. They have like weapons and camping gear on their backpack. They've been like kickboxing for six months prior to meeting. Don't you? You have what? Yeah. A meeting place. Yeah. We know uh, I just to... bought this today. What is that? It's like a weighted like, club thing. It's for exercise. Club. It's like, yeah. but it's, so it's like, it's like five pounds. <laughs> so you can like, you know, work out with it. Yeah. Oh my God. No, I've bought like things to filter your water with, you know, John too. <laughs> I bought that. I bought, um, like oil, thieves oil just because I, do you know why thieves oil is called thieves oil? I did know, but I don't remember. Do you, okay. So this will be a fun fact. Who knows if it's true, but I think it's true, but it was named that because there was a plague Mm-hmm. And people were dying and no one wanted to touch them because that's how the plague was spreading because people okay. didn't want to touch dead bodies. So okay. this group of thieves developed this, you know, combination of oils that they could use to protect themselves while they went yeah. in and stole from dead bodies. Wow. That's, okay. that's what thieves were. I actually like how it smells. <laughs> yeah, I like how it smells as well. But I figured like we could put it in the um I don't know, it might be it might be too intense to put on the inside of a mask, but I feel like it's worth trying, you know, if you're making yeah. masks or you're having a spray bottle that you however yeah. you're protecting yourself, I think it couldn't hurt, you know. So, see, we talked about the book a little bit, Brian. <laughs> I mean, the story. The story. Yeah. It's not a book. And you made it very clear. It's It will never be a book. It will never be a book. <laughs> it's, defi- it's fine. 
You know what's interesting? I wanted to ask you how much fun you have with names. Do you have fun with names? Um, I, I don't. Uh, here's my answer. This is going to, I struggle with names until I find one that I go, oh, that's their name. Like, it's like they already have a name and right. I have to spend time finding it. And sometimes I don't. And sometimes I give them a name that is not their name. Um, right. But yeah. that's really what it is. It's like when I land on a name, I go, oh, that's, that's, is your name. Um, so I don't, I don't have fun with it so much as I struggle with it. Do you? I found the names. No, I, I do like naming things. I get yeah. really excited about naming things just because, you know, a Cervantes already looks like a completely different character to me than a Blick. Jessica Blick with the, is she the one with the spiky hair? Yeah. 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 I can picture Jessica Blick. I know her. I, I feel like she has short steps when she walks. Yes, she does. She does. Yeah, she does. I know. <laughs> I can picture her because her name is Jessica Blick. You know, she's like, she's tidy. You know, she's got her stuff organized in her bathroom. Yeah. She's her hair. You know her. I know her. I know her. And <laughs> the, um, I like the name Cassandra Howard. Is that it? Cassandra mm -hmm. Howard? Mm hmm Yeah. Because it is, it's neutral enough. Like it doesn't say anything to, in, to me immediately about like status or upbringing or like, I feel like it's neutral enough, but interesting enough to be almost anybody. You know, it's, I don't know. I like that. See, I think Cassandra immediately reminds me of what like Greek mythology, right? Like Cassandra on the rocks. <gasps> so it's really? like, so she's like this unreliable, like she's speaking the truth truth, but you know, it's jumbled. So people don't understand her prophecies, right? Or they don't believe her prophecies, right? Like that's the myth. Um, right. so I thought that was interesting. I always think of Cassandra that way. Yeah. Really? Both of you do? Oh, you almost have to. <laughs> I mean, was that for the connection for you, um, Brian? Like once the, so yes, it's, um, I did not, but I, but I did it backwards. Like I didn't go, Oh, yeah. I want to name her, uh, Cassandra because of this. Her name is, uh, Cassandra Cassie. Um, and then I was like, Oh, that actually really works. And I think that is how, um, it can, I, it goes back to what you were talking earlier, Shelley, about trying to, uh, make something as opposed to just being with the story and letting, let, letting the connections and these things happen on their own so that you, and, and maybe it's not on their own. Maybe there's, there's this other mechanism that's happening, but, um, that is really a, can be a, a lot of, um, uh, an amazing thing to, 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 when people say, well, Oh, I see all these connections in your story. Um, I think for the most part, I distrust writers that are like, yes, I, thank you. I, you know, I layered it and I did this and that. I think that's, I think it's largely bullshit, but, um, but not all of it, but, but I do believe that when you are in a story and you are really trying to connect to it and, 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 and be present in it, that those connections can happen yeah. organically or I don't know how to, but yeah. anyway, so they feel right when they happen and you go with it. 
So that's what I would say about the name Cassandra. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I have another question. So let's talk about um, chem, the drug, right? Yeah. That, you, what is what? What are you envisioning it being? I, you know, it uh, some style of of meth, I guess. Yeah. I, I think it's you know it's. Um, is it high techy? Yeah, it's high techy. It, it, it um, it's uh, definitely you know it's manufactured. I mean, it isn't. There isn't. Uh, um, uh, like it's all. It's it's yeah. It's all chemicals for synthetic. You know, for what's yeah. that? Like synthetic. Very synthetic. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's a. I'm proud of you. Way to go! Don't downplay it. Oh. It's good. So good. Um, the 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 good thing about it, and I know you don't want to write a book, <laughs> but it, it paints such a picture that I can see the complete. Do you know what I mean? It was a whole. It was clear the setting, the near future, the slightly scary, the episode. Huh? It felt like an episode in a series. Yeah. I can see that. Black that's what what, when I gave it to when I gave the early draft to a friend, that is what he said. He he said, um, have you seen Black Mirror? And I hadn't. And he said, this is like an episode, like this could be an episode in Black Mirror. So then I went yeah. and watched some, and, and yes, I mean, where they take, yes, it, it, I, I was like, oh. And at first, of course, I was terrified because I was like, oh, my God, is he telling me, like, this is an episode? <laughs> no, yeah, no. Uh, You're right. It's a lot of the ethical concerns, right? Like, it's the ethical concerns of technology, uh, the intersection of, like, what, what it is to be human, um, and and the concept of privacy and, and yeah. all insurance of those things. In there. What's what? that? The insurance bit about how he's like, I'm going to have my bacon. And she's like, well, and the machine tells him not to have his bacon. And he's like, I'm going to choose to have my bacon. And then, uh, is it Cassandra who says, well, your insurance is going to go up because of yeah. that. And he's like, yeah. 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 My thought with that is that it actually goes up like right then. Like right. it, like, like that, it's immediate. Oh, yeah. your insurance goes up because, yeah. yeah, I thought that was great and so, so timeless for America. Yeah, it, no, it's all real. Like, those real, like, the, there's real legislation right now about new sodium restrictions, too. Like, all of it, like, a lot, so much of it is like already, like, it touches on things that are already ongoing and it takes it a step further. Yeah. Yeah. Do you like, like John Grisham working in a law firm kind of thing? Do you, when you're editing your journal or, or your daily, do you get, do you write stories from things you find out from there or is it pretty dry? Um, it can be dry. It can also not be dry. I mean, it's all, it, um, law can be, it, it is in every aspect of our lives, uh, lives. Yeah. And so, um, some of it can be very, you know, I don't find corporate law particularly interesting, but I find 
um, civil rights law and, and, and constitutional law, all that stuff can be how it's impacting our daily lives. Um, very interesting and fascinating. And I did like, you know, not to, but I liked the idea that we have this notion that we get a jury of our peers and that we get a jury that's not biased and we, you know, and so, and that jury is now going to be able to dole out justice. And, um, and we just, we know that's not true, um, but we continue to put that forward. And um, so I like I like the idea that you could create for someone um, a jury that uh, has its biases stripped away. It has um, uh, it has a real understanding of the science involved that might be. Uh, part of the testimony. Mm-hmm. That is an interesting thing. Uh, have, have any of you ever sat on a jury? They're, they're... Oh, they, really? What? I've been on a jury for like one day. I barely remember what it was about. It was a long time ago. But um, there was something about what if this was an unbiased jury, but they have access to all the like technical information so it doesn't have to be dumbed down. Right. So they really understand what the expert witnesses are testifying to, Uh as opposed to, um, I mean, there's, there's uh, expert testimony regarding blood and DNA and, and, or blood spatter and on and on that, you know, that they can kind of try and sculpt in a certain way for the, so that the jury goes, Oh, objective. Right. It's not, uh, yeah. Really knew the fact and folded into their decision making. So I thought that that idea intrigued me. I, I mm-hmm. uh, like we should have much smarter. Not no, not much smarter, but our our jury system is 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 flawed. Let's just mm-hmm. leave it at that. I guess. Yeah. Well, I think. <laughs> the American system is flawed, but I, I think it's also, it brings up in your story, it's a lot about, to me, like free will versus determinism, you know, like it, it's it's like the idea that if we get so good at like AI or, you know, we get smarter with all of our technology, it's like things are just like predetermined then, right? Like you, there's no chance to be persuasive, right? Like what's the function then of a lawyer? You don't even have to be a good lawyer anymore, right? Like you don't have to present a case. It's, I know it's, I I got to thinking about that a lot. It actually, but that's right. It it would actually in in one sense snowball or climb to the point where you're like, nope, we would just need to present. This is the evidence. This is the fact. We don't need any lawyers and we'll have the AI assess it and decide. Absolutely, could get. I mean, right. And then it's like the equation is like you know beyond a reasonable doubt equals you know it's like (laughs) zero plus one plus one plus one plus zero equals this. Like that's like the the question of like reasonable doubt. I don't know. It's it's just it's well. Reasonable doubt is a is a is an interesting phrase because what it means is different to each. One of Correct. Us. Right. And, and right. So, what's reasonable to you? What's a reasonable doubt to you may not be a reasonable doubt to me. How do you? What does that even mean? Um, which is why they have to put a, a group of people into a room, and somehow it averages out 
and somebody comes out and goes, well, this is what we think. Yeah. yeah. Have you guys all seen 12 Angry Men? Of course, I was just going to say, it's 12 Angry Men. 12 Angry Men. 12 Angry Men. That might not have to be my next little binge, although it's so tense. It's so tense. Well, here, here's what I'll suggest. Amy Schumer does a really great satire on her show. Of 12 Angry Men. Um, 12 Angry Men. So I think you that's a good like lead in. I feel like, I've seen, a lighter. I feel like I've seen it. Maybe a lighter version of, of it. Yeah, it's good. It's good yeah. stuff. Yeah. Well, hey, um, we're probably wrapping up here and we're having some thoughts. Lauren put in the chat that we should be a writing group. I agree. Do I have a second? <laughs> you yeah. should be a writing group. That is an amazing idea. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So um, yeah, I need your expertise, Brian, for what I want to write. Yeah. What do you want to write? Chris likes assignments, so I gave her two <laughs> assignments that you guys me too. You're on. I told so Chris has two assignments. One assignment is she took over our Twitter so that she has to write little short, tiny things, and then she can listen back to our episodes. Or we've done about thirty-five books I think or short stories or whatever so far and some of them got lost we've probably done more like 40 but some of the episodes got kind of lost or damaged or whatever and um anything that and any of you guys any of you if you listen back to an episode you go oh I want to write about that hitchhiking memoir or I want to write about the stars and the blackness between them or whatever fingerprints of the guides and if you have a thought about a blog post that you want to guest blog on reads and weeds about a past episode i'd love to have you do that um so that's the first thing that's our writing group we can talk about that a little bit more in a minute <laughs> the other thing is uh anything because what i'm trying to do right now since everybody's kind of has time on their hands and i'm hyper is um I could do this like Brian. I could do this all day. I mean, yesterday, Brian, I think you know both Jeff Miller. You know Jeffrey yep. Miller, actor. Absolutely. And um, I don't know if you know Claire Forrester, but she's a great poet. And, and Chris has been on some shows with Claire. But we read poetry yesterday. We spent two hours reading poetry. So at this point, wow. like anything anybody wants to read and be like, hey, let's do an episode on this short story. Let's talk about things that we wrote that now we're embarrassed about. Let's talk about the writing style of this one author. Like, whatever you guys want to talk about, I'm down. We can schedule it any time of day. We can, you know, so just send it Do you have a there. spreadsheet or something? Like a Google Doc or a Google Sheet so we could, like, add topics and then it can be, like, our syllabus or something? No, but I can tell you um, what is up. Like what was working before we stopped going to the studio? So we had because we basically my my schedule used to be dependent on when I could get into the studio and when other people could be in the studio because the this in the right. studio it like our recording sounds better, but if you try to Skype in and call in and have people on different mics, no, we couldn't do it. It was yeah, it, it, it got was better. Hard. It got better. But what's next on the list, like the Bhagavad Gita, because my friend Jill is a Ashtanga level two cool. yoga. So we're going to read, you know, verses from the Bhagavad Gita. 
Um, I'd love to redo Elements of Fiction with Brian, if you want to do that. Chris and I could do it again. Um, there's a book. I would have to read it. Yeah. It's a quick read. It's a pretty quick read. Yeah. There's um, a book called Women Talking. Have you guys heard about that? Women Maybe. Talking. She was, she was, this woman uh, who recommended it to me was in my improv class last year. And uh, she is a very interesting woman. She's an uh, Anover pastor who is, has been going through, she just went through like her 24th chemo treatment. And she's, she's just, she's a really good writer, first of all. And I would love to talk about this specific book with her. And she's a pastor. It's an interesting, totally open to it being a weed podcast. She's this very interesting lady, lover. Um, there's, yeah, and I, I just got another re recommendation today from Claire, but she said this book was a whopper. I'd have to like, can't go to the library right now. So if it's on Hoopla or you can get it mailed or whatever. Um, but da, 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 it's called The Overstory by Richard Powers. Have you heard that one? So, so whatever, short stories, poems, whatever that you guys want to talk about, uh, I would like that. So, um, what were you guys going to ask? I like about there's writing? a couple, there's a couple different genres there. Um, I like that. I like mixing it up and forcing yeah. myself out of like my, I was doing a little checking when you were talking here. I was looking at the, some of those books. Oh um, yeah. Yeah. Well, so that was my original, you know, what's interesting is when I started, I, I had a list, like I want to do old stuff and I want to do new stuff and I want to do different kinds of writers and I want to do young adults and I want to do people I know have authors on and all this. And so we've done pretty much everything now because we've done scripts, Brian, we've read, like I had, um, do you know, remember Scott Mooney, local improviser yeah. writer, Brian, do you remember him? I don't remember. No, I don't think I know him. Do he I? wrote, he wrote a new adult fiction book called Pricked and it is, really? so, it's, it's really good. It's like, New adult Tuesday. Yes. It's really good. And his new one is out. You can pre-order the, the second in that series now. Prick. So if you want to get in on that, I can't remember. I think it's called well, we'll check it out. Yeah. Screaming yeah. Beauty or something. And he has this uh, written sort of like gay radio drama, queer radio drama called Lavender... Oh my God, it's some really, he's, he's just a creative genius, in my opinion. I love him. I'm so impressed with him. And we've done, anyway, so I had, you know, Nathan Corliss and his friend, Matt Squink. There, mm -hmm. yes, okay. Allison, like I've had people come on and read, like we did Hamlet, we did The Whale, we did um, Dog Sees God. So mm -hmm. we've done kind of staged reading type episodes. So I'm open. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, very cool. well, and I'd be up for all of that. The, 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 um, the one thing that I would just put out there. Wait, I can't understand you. Hold on. Wait, wait, wait. I don't know. If it, 
part of, but I would say if our I can't understand. I'm, I'm, my internet connection is unstable or something. Hold on. I think, yeah, are you back now? <clears throat> okay. Nope. So tell me what you said again. You said, I'm up for all of that, oh. but, and then I didn't hear anything after that. Yeah, I'm absolutely up for all of that. What I would also particularly be interested in um, is that if uh, any of you uh, or the three of the three of you, or if you've, if you're looking for something to help you write more of what you want to write, I would love to be a part of that in, in one way or another, whether it was reading your work or um, helping, just talking about it, talking you through it, um, exploring it. Um, I, 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 I really, I know how it was for me when I was, I, so you know, when you're 14 or 15 and you're writing the sequel to Crime and Punishment, you have it in your head that you are <laughs> probably the next, you know, you are probably the next Tolstoy or you're, yeah. I mean, people don't know it at the time, but you probably are. Yeah. And it takes, in my case, years uh, to have that realization of, oh, no, you're not. Um, and then to um, move through the, the the period of, well, if you can't be that, then why, why try it all? I mean, you know, it's ridiculous. Um, but the truth is, is I think people that are inclined to write um, are lesser when they're not writing whatever it is, whether it's published or it's, I don't think it needs to be read, but I think it needs to be done. And so if that is what I would put out there is that if, if any of you were looking for someone in some way that could help you write what you want to write, I would, I'd be, I, I'm, I'm raising my hand. I would love to, I love to help people do that. And, and, um, because I, I know that it will make you, it will heal a part of your soul. I know that might sound really super dramatic. No, not at all. It doesn't sound stupid at all. It sounds lovely. Yeah. It sounds like... Sorry if you're getting interference. I don't know if you can hear that. <laughs> no, I just love seeing your house. It just makes me so happy. I love being at your house. I got a lot going on. I know, but I love that house. Love it, love it. And if I get too stir crazy, I might come down there. Not until I'm out of... You can. But you're essential to us. Yeah. 14 days. <laughs> Well, well, we have been quarantined since we got back. So we've made our, our yeah, we've done our 14 days. Yeah. That's amazing. I'm almost at 14 days. Of, of um, I wanted to say before we hung up that one of the reasons um, I like the, in a short story, I felt like one of the things that was great and I thought very much like the end of an episode that in a series that could keep going was the structure, how at the end, like the twist that we get is that even though she's been this justice, she's actually sort of trying to cheat the system for her own benefit. And what a perfect ending to get me to flip the page and go to episode two. Oh, yeah. Um, and that, that the two things about, I mean, you read so much about character architecture and sometimes you're lucky enough to write a character where this just happens, but... It was like beautiful, like her mission in contrast to her actual behavior. That was that was really well done. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
It makes her a great, great main character for a series. Like, I want to know how does that continue to play out? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, because she presented sort of like the whole, through the whole first half or three quarters of the, of, of like being this very like, not virtuous, but trying to kind of fight for what she believed in and what she thought was the right thing and a fair jury and all of that. So yeah, yeah. anyway. Chris, Great main character. Chris, Chris, I'm proud of you. You really, you were scaring me on this text pre-show. <laughs> Dude. Dude. I'm glad you showed up, girl. You did it. It's all vodka bringing me down, I'm telling you. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Well, um, and I'll thank you for that writing help, Brian. Yeah, please do. I mean, well, and, and, and yeah, whatever it would be, whether it's in any way, shape, or form that I can... Um, that's a, that's a, I think it's important. And, and, and when I see someone or I hear some, someone it's to me, you know what it's like, it's like having learned to play an instrument in high school, which I did not. Um, and, and then have somebody say, Oh yeah, I, I used to play the saxophone. I used to play the clarinet to me that that's a tragic sentence. And so, um, I do, I believe, I mean, I, I'm like, Oh my God. Um, and it's the same with writing. And so when I hear someone say, oh, I, I'm not writing what I, you know, or I'm not finishing, it, 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 no, it, it upsets me. It, upset, it, it causes me some pain. And so anything I could no. do to relieve that. It, it causes me a lot of pain, actually. I know. I, I've experienced that pain. And I, yeah. yeah. Well, um, you guys are all on the same email thread. So be in touch. And right. um, hey, Reeds and Weeds listeners, we are, we, we, oh, I miss out. I, I just sent a Google spreadsheet. Oh, God, I love it that you do that. I love it. Thank you. You know what? Anna, I appreciate you. I appreciate you. If anybody else has organizational tools, they just want to throw my direction. That's fine. Um, or just do it for me. Even better. Uh, so. Please, just me too. I did. This, yeah. is our, this is our <laughs> second Zoom, our fourth Zoom, our fourth pandemic quarantine episode, but only the second one that will probably go out. And if you listen to this and you can, you know, connect with me and tell me what you're reading or how you're feeling and what state you're in and how you found us and, um, communicate with me. I really love it when people pop up on Instagram or Facebook and tell me what state they're in and how they found us and what episode they listened to and the book that they read. And, um, I love that. So, and I love connecting with people around the country and talking about books. So if you ever want to jump in on one of these, it's fun and wonderful to talk to friends about books, especially right now. It's very grounding. So thank you so much for being on the show, Brian and Lauren. Thank you for having me. I'm, yeah. I love it's it. Pleasure. Isn't it fun? We it's talked a blast. about like before the Christmas party I saw you at. Even before that, we were talking about you coming on here. Yes. Like a, a while ago. Yeah. So yes. I'm so glad. Lauren, yes, you you have the okay. 
<laughs> so here, uh, here's where I'm going to get a little um, project managery. Okay. So what's what's our what's our action step leaving this? So what are we going to do next? Um. Oh, great. Well, what assignment? Well, I'll tell you what I need to do in the next week.